The views expressed herein reflect the views of the Whistler Agency as of the date of publication. These views may change as conditions change. The views expressed herein are not intended and should not be construed as investment advice, and they do not address any individual's specific situation. Welcome to Whistler While You Retire with Tim Whistler from the Whistler Agency. Here you will learn how Tim helps clients avoid taking unnecessary risks in retirement. With a fiduciary responsibility, Tim's mission is to help retirees and soon-to-be retirees create a greater sense of confidence about their retirement plan. Now, on to the show. Taxes do not end once you retire, but you can make decisions now that help limit how much the IRS can take. Your host, Tim Whistler, has several suggestions to share. I'm Patrice Sikora. Uh, Tim, you were just starting to tell me about an IRA workshop you went to recently. Tell me more. Yes, ma'am, I did. And it's interesting when I share this <laughs> with not only just you know some prospects, but also some current clients where I told them where I chose to drive you know seven plus hours from here in central Illinois to Nashville um, to spend two straight days to sit in an IRA workshop, the reaction is just priceless. You know, it's like, it's like they just took a bite of a lemon, you know, <laughs> they, you, mean you didn't go for the music. No, I didn't go for the music. No, we, we I sat there. Um, I mean, I, I was in, you know, I was just a complete nerd with this. I absolutely loved being there. The, the content was absolutely incredible. It, not from the standpoint of how exciting it is to talk about taxes <laughs> or, or the IRS, but, but the fulfillment of knowing that I now have access to resources that have understood the element and the dangers of not understanding what the IRS will do to us in retirement from an entire panel of experts, um, beginning with, with the gentleman who, who had the dream to, to build this, this entity. Um, his name is Ed Slot. Um, he's based out of New York. Uh, you know, I've, I had the chance to meet him first time at this, this workshop, but two straight days, we went through a 400 page manual, page by page, through a multitude of scenarios. And so I, I'm willing to bet that we are gonna talk about this content for multiple episodes to come because of the fact that as I'm sitting there and I'm and I'm listening to them present, I'm listening to um, Ed speak. I'm listening to a couple of his other people on his team who are estate planning attorneys to a, uh, you know, a certified financial planner. As they're sharing this information with me, I'm just sitting here thinking, how on earth can somebody successfully navigate retirement without this information? And one of the one of the most powerful quotes that Ed shared, not only in in the in the in the seminar or the workshop that I was at, but also in his book. He he published a book, or he's actually published several books, but his most recent book is entitled "The New Retirement Savings Time Bomb," and he he is quoted as saying. Taxes will be the single biggest factor that separates people from their retirement dreams. Ooh, that's rather scary. It is. And it's from the standpoint of, you know, how many times, you know, in our episodes, Patrice, we have talked about, okay, this is how we can mitigate market volatility. This is how we can hedge against inflation. Mm -hmm. This is how we can select, you know, potentially a long-term care plan that'll fund the policy to help pay for expenses should they incur. But despite taking care of all those different types of challenges, what still will remain, not only for the retirees and their spouses, but also for funds that are passed on to their beneficiaries. So that's why not only did I decide to attend this workshop, but I decided to go one step further. Um, I made the decision to invest 
into a program that he offers to advisors where he calls it Ed Slot's Elite IRA Advisor Group. Now, that's quite a that's quite a <laughs> um, interesting title that that I have to kind of probably earn my way up to that point. I don't necessarily consider myself elite at anything, but you know, this isn't just a standpoint. This is not comes from the standpoint of me just giving them some money and me attending some workshops. This there is continuing education that's that's demanded of me. There are two workshops I will be attending every single year. I've already made my reservation for the fall workshop. I'll be out in Las Vegas here later this year, next spring, we're going to be out in Maryland. Um, I mean, it's just going to be a continuing process to constantly stay current Mm -hmm. with the legislative risks that retirees will face known as the IRS. So, you know, this is something that I chose to do. I'm excited about it. I'll have access to resources that I've never had with me before. So that way, then as I engage with prospects and current clients, and I can reference the resources and manuals for each individual scenario. Now I can share with my clients and prospects by saying, look, you know, you demand to be working with, you should demand to be working with a fiduciary who's also experienced and knowledgeable with all elements of retirement income planning. And it's so, so it's quite an honor to be, you know, considered to be a part of this group um, with Ed Slot and his team. So, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to be able to start digging into the, the weeds, if you will, and the details of how the IRS will impact retirees' income. That is a huge commitment, Tim. It, it is. And it, it's one that I, that I really, I mean, I took, I took my time thinking about this because I thought, okay, you know, I could attend these workshops just whenever they come up. You know, anybody can go, you can just pay the fees and, and go to the hotel and sit there and you get the manuals, you get to engage. But then when I heard about the elite advisor group, and I thought about that. I mean, I had a seven-hour drive on the way back. So I did a lot of thinking on the way back and started processing this and started to figure out, okay, I know that there's two workshops where I'm, I'm going to be out of the office for at least three days at each workshop. There's the expense involved. There's the continued education that's involved. But I'll tell you what, Patrice, coming out of that, that workshop with a 400-page manual and going through case by case and different scenarios, I'm like, if I'm going to be in this business, if I'm truly want to be a reliable resource for people, I've got to do this because of the fact that if they don't understand what I just quoted as Ed Slot is saying, talking about taxes and the impact they'll have, then, then I probably should not be in this business anymore. So therefore I made that commitment. I want to be in this. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to share what I've learned with not only just current clients, but also as I continue to engage with, with prospective clients as well. Well, let's do the most we can to enhance what people learn from you with these podcasts. As you said, we'll do several episodes on this. Let's start with page one of the 400-page manuscript. (laughs) Buckle up. (laughs) Buckle up. Go for it, baby. (laughs) So I I think what was a good kind of a good start here is let's bring into play what's been on the news so much here. And we're talking about the government spending and the impact that it's going to have on retirement accounts. You know, one of the things that we talk about is we try to help us, we try to help people understand that if we don't pay attention to history, what's it, what's going to happen? We're going to repeat it. Mm-hmm. So when you look back at history, let's let's take us let's go back a few decades and let's look back at our tax brackets. Right now, it doesn't feel like it, but right now we are in the historically um, historical low tax rate. And you look back, for example, there's there's a chart that we share with people that we talk about the debt to the GDP ratio. And th- this is this is the shot 
across this, you know, this is the warning shot across the bow, if you will, that the IRS has shared with us. And this is where I think it's important for people to understand this, because when you look back to at the end of World War II, when we were just coming out of World War II, the highest tax rate at that time was 94%. Wow. Now, I don't know. I don't think there was too many people paying that. But still, just the fact that it existed was 94%. And it stayed there almost, I mean, it stayed there quite a bit through even the 60s. So it stayed up there, you know, pretty high. Then as we got into the 70s and 80s, it started coming down. And now here we are, I think the highest tax bracket is what, 37%, somewhere around right. there. Okay. You look back to what our debt was back when the tax bracket was 94%. It wasn't anything like it is today. I just literally shut off the website, the usdebtclock.org. I warn everybody, don't go to that website unless you're sitting down because that is the, the resource that shows us how our debt is just continuing to spiral out of control. We have now surpassed 30.6 trillion, okay? So you look at our debt, you look at our GDP, and you look at the difference. What are tax rates gonna have to do if they wanna continue to maintain that level of spending? Uh, so they're gonna have to go up. Th that, that's probably our best guess. You know, we, we don't know for sure. We don't have that crystal ball. I ordered mine on Amazon, but it's still stuck out in a ship somewhere in, in China. I don't know where it's at. So we can only go move forward with the information that we have. But, you know, we're in this phase of life called the distribution phase. And there's a reason why we call it the distribution, because what are we doing with our assets? We are now taking distributions. We're taking withdrawals from them. We're going to spend down money that we have spent decades saving for, sacrificing for, to fund those golden years of life known as retirement, 10, 20, maybe 30 years, possibly more of retirement. And this is where I like to remind people, when you have tax deferred accounts, remember this saying, the constitution was written in ink, but the IRS uses pencil. Hmm. The gold lines are always moving. So we talk about this from the standpoint of, you know, we have followed rules and guidelines for so many years, tax deferred, tax deferred, tax deferred, tax deferred. Okay, great. We've done that. We've built up hopefully six figures, maybe seven figures of savings. But is all of that ours? Unfortunately, no. We have that silent partner known as the IRS now sitting there waiting for us to take distribution. So, so when we talk about this, when we look at this debt to GDP ratio, here's two questions I would love for the listener to be able to answer on their own behalf. Number one, what have you done to reduce your federal income tax? Number two, what plans do you have to create tax-free income in retirement? Those have to be on the list of questions that have to be answered along with how are we gonna mitigate against market volatility? How are we gonna take care of inflation? What happens if our spouse passes away too soon? What happens if one of us gets sick and we need care? All those questions have to be answered and at least, you know, addressed. But I think the, the, the role that the IRS is going to play in a retirement income plan is far greater than most people really truly understand. And when do we learn more about what might be in store for us? That is, you know, if I had that answer, Patrice, <laughs> <laughs> that crystal ball again, boy, I could, I think I could rent that thing out and make a good living at that. Yeah. You know, that's the thing we know right now. Well, we don't really know. What we don't know, but here's what we think we know about what the IRS is doing and what they're going to do. We know right now that the current tax 
brackets tax rates are going to sunset at the end of 2025. Okay. So here's something I, that I that I learned from this this workshop. I've always known these two ages, but I've never thought of them in this in this environment that I'm going to share here. So for people who are between the ages of 59 and a half and 72, get your favorite drink, get a pen and paper and tune in because I'm talking to you right now. Between these two age groups, and I'll define what, why we picked these two ages. This is basically what we call the season to make hay. This is when there are no rules and no penalties as per the IRS tor towards your tax deferred accounts. So here's what I mean by that. What happens at 59 and a half? Okay, at 59 and a half, that's when technically we have access to an IRA account without taking some type of early withdrawal penalty. Okay, that's, that's the magical year that we can take the withdrawal without a penalty. I didn't say without tax. We're still going to pay taxes on a traditional IRA account, for example. But if we take out a penalty, if we take out a withdrawal prior to 59 and a half, and we don't meet a couple of the exceptions that the IRS has laid out for us, we will pay a penalty on each withdrawal until 59 and a half. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for example, if somebody's born in April, like I am in October of that year, they turn 59 and a half. That's when we really want to start paying attention because from that point forward until the age of 72, that's the time period that I firmly believe is spent, especially after coming back from this workshop. And now in addition to the software that I use for help helping people create retirement income, 72 is that magical age. We talked about this, I think back in episode 30, we talked about the dreaded RMDs, mm -hmm. the required minimum distributions. That's the time period in which you have to begin taking distributions because what happens when you take a distribution, who gets their share? the IRS. How much of the share of the IRS do you want to for them to take? And more importantly, how much more do you want your family to lose to the IRS when we leave funds behind? So so when they when when retirees and soon to be retirees, I mean you don't have to be retired yet. You know, most people are still working at 59 and a half. That's still the time frame we need to probably really take a very close eye and look at the big tax deferred asset that you're potentially going to have at retirement and what that means to create, you know, to lower that federal income tax liability and also not to, not to compound that. In fact, it was interesting. I literally just came across this article this morning, the headline of the article that was just issued last month. It was issued in July, actually on July 4th, ironically enough. I just noticed that the headline reads, reads don't be tricked into voluntarily paying higher taxes on your IRA. And I thought that was a very appropriate title because I think far too often when we don't know what we don't know, people can compound the federal income tax liability involuntarily. They, they don't mean to do it, but they, 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 you know, they don't know any different. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to pay any more to the IRS than we have to because that can obviously significantly impact our ability to create income for retirement. But more importantly, as, we, as we'll talk about this down the road, the funds that we leave behind the IRS unfortunately doesn't go away. So I, I think that's why talking about those two ages, that's that's kind of a really critical time period to really start digging deep into the into the into the conversion process. We're going to talk about that here in a second and truly figure out, okay, if this is my X amount of dollars in my tax deferred account, whether it be a traditional IRA or a 401k, a pre-tax 401k, I know I'm going to have to owe the IRS this share. So here's the time frame. Maybe we would start looking at that conversion process.
All right, you're talking about the distribution phase. As you said, it's when we take money out of the accounts. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about taxes on those accounts. What what are we going to see happen? Or what what at this point in time happens? So if we break down the account types, and we'll kind of keep it relatively simple here. Most, most Some people may have more than these, but if we just kind of break them down, there's basically three major types of assets earmarked for retirement. Uh, number one, we kind of just alluded to it a second ago, 401k, you can also add 403b, 457, you know, the employer sponsored plans, retirement plans, mm-hmm. and traditional IRAs, right? The, the common thread between those types of accounts are the fact that they are pre-tax funded, okay? It gives us a little bit of a, of a tax credit, if you will. It lowers our, our earned income, if you will, that type of thing. But it's basically a, a tax deferred account. We've deferred owing the taxes on those assets until later, whatever later is. Okay, that's the one type. So when we talk about those, again, <laughs> this is what I'm trying to help. The, 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 you know, we're talking about baby boomers right now. Baby boomers, the, 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 the generation, the greatest generation of our, of our country, and that's going to happen to, they're going to be retiring for the next, what, how many years? 20, another 30 years, even something like that. I'm still trying to help the Henry's, the, the generation that the, the Henry's is high earners, not rich yet, right? The Henry's. They're still out there building. They're in their 20s, their 30s, maybe in their 40s. I'm trying to help them understand, yes, you want to invest into some type of an account where they will match it like a 401k match. But if the 401k match is only at 3%, and you have the ability to contribute 15%, whatever the case may be, don't do that because all you're doing is compounding the IRS bill that you're going to have decades down the road when you're going to go to retirement. So, so staying on that, that, this type of an account, 401k slash traditional IRA, these are tax deferred accounts. We are going to owe taxes on them whenever we take a distribution from them. Mm-hmm. Okay. What will the tax rate be upon that time? It'll be based upon what is our ordinary income tax bracket. So if we're single, if we're married, depending upon how are we filing our taxes, that will determine what our tax rate will be when we go to distribute income from the 401k or traditional IRA. Okay. Now, isn't the, 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 well, the thought is that when you start to take this money, you will be in a lower tax bracket. That's the thought. And, you know, for a long time, that was kind of the major argument. That's why I kind of kicked off our conversation (laughs) with the not so fun news about the debt to GDP ratio. Mm -hmm. We we sometimes think that, well, I'm not going to be earning as much. So therefore, I'm not going to be as high of a tax bracket. We, we can, we can battle that all day long and twice on Sunday. I mean, it's, it's, it's from the standpoint of, again, we need to look at the scenarios of what type of income do we have coming in? Okay. Most people will have what? Number one, social security. Okay. we got social security coming in. If the husband and wife, we got two sources of social security. They're kind of, you know, somewhat starting to fade away, but pensions are still very real for a lot of people right now. And some people I still engage with have pensions coming to them. And then you start looking at tax deferred accounts when you have to start taking money. It's, a, it's astounding. When you start adding all that up, all of a sudden you're like, holy smokes, I'm not really in that much of a lower tax bracket. You might go down a bracket or two possibly. But it's, it's when we run the numbers and we share that with people, it's, it's really quite eye-opening that most people don't really save much in taxes like they thought they were going to based upon the fact that they're, hey, I'm no longer earning X amount of dollars of salary. Now I'm just going to simply rely on my savings. So that's why we really encourage during that sweet spot of 59 and a half to 72 of saying, let's not just wait down the road and say, we'll just, you know, we'll just kind of, you know, 
you know, bury our hand in the sand, in the sand, you know, for, per, you know, per se, but from the standpoint of we really need to run the numbers and look at this because of the fact that if we continue to compound a tax deferred account, it could cost us more than we want it to down the road. And I would think that probably a lot of people in that time frame, that age frame, are just really focused on building those assets. They don't right. look at what, how they're building them. Correct. And, and that was kind of my point of, of trying to go back to the Henry's, help, help them understand, look, if, if your budget will allow you you know, 15% of a contribution, but your company matches three, let me share with you a way in which you can create tax-free income with that 12% difference, whatever the case may be. Let's let's talk about tax-free income, not necessarily just tax-deferred, tax-deferred, tax-deferred. Mm, okay. okay. So the second account type is what we call the non-qualified money or taxable money. Okay. So for example, this is money that maybe we've got set aside we, we are, we've, we've paid taxes on it. It's net of, of the IRS. It's net, it's net to us. We're put into a savings account and now we want to invest it somewhere. So we take, I don't know, 50 grand, we put it some type of an account and we like to dabble in the stock market or bonds or whatever we're investing in. And that then grows to 60,000, whatever the case may be. In other words, it's non-qualified, which means the tax rate that we're going to pay upon a distribution from that account is determined by number one, is it a long-term capital gain, a short-term capital gain, and what was the cost basis of the account? In other words, what did you put into it? What is it worth? And then when you take a distribution, how much tax are you going to be owing to the IRS upon that distribution? So it's going to be taxed a little bit different because it does not use ordinary income tax rates like the 401k and traditional IRA does. This will look at capital gains, long-term, short-term. Okay. And the third type of the account, which should be everybody's favorite account, <laughs> is the Roth IRA account. You know, this is the after-tax account. This is where you have funded it with after-tax dollars. So therefore, and, and we're going to talk about this here in a second as we close out the, the, the episode, we're going to talk about a, a simple comparison between the two and which one is more the ideal scenario. So because when we have funds inside of Roth IRA, the rules for the, from the IRS changes. And we're going to talk about that here in just a couple of seconds. But that's kind of the, the breakdown, if you will, uh, of, the, of the three major accounts and, and how the IRS will play a role when we take distributions from those types of accounts. Well, that's all nice and, and dandy. Three uh, separate time, types of accounts here. But if you're like me, I've got a little bit of everything. Right. And, and that's, this, is, this is where we talk about withdrawals. Right, we, we talk about trying to figure out. Okay, if I've got a little bit of everything, which is pretty common, you know, Patrice, this is what we talk about when we sit down. When I sit down with a prospective client, and I, I set the expectation for them and say, "Look, when we get together, whether it be virtually through Zoom, or whether we're in person at your kitchen table, we want to make sure that we take an inventory of all of the assets that you have." Now, it doesn't mean every asset's going to be going to play a role for your retirement income, but we want to make sure that we understand the assets. Because then what I'm looking for is, okay, what is the tax classification of each asset? Which of those three categories that we just listed does that asset fall under? Who's the owner? Who's the beneficiary? Which one of these assets are going to be for live on money? And which of these assets, if any, are leave on money that you want to leave behind for the kids, for the grandkids, whatever the case may be. So we want to take an inventory of that. And then once we understand what the asset types are, and more importantly, what is the tax classification? Then that's when we can go to work for the client and say, okay, you have 
this much in a, in a tax deferred account. You have this much in a 401k slash traditional IRA. You have this much in a Roth IRA. This is how much, you know, how much do you need? So for example, when, when we go through this, I'm just kind of painting a very high level picture here. We'll talk about withdrawal order. And when I'm engaging with clients and, and speaking with them or somebody who's already, you know, who's already retired and they're already taking distributions, I'll ask them, okay, which asset or which assets are you taking income from? Mm-hmm. And they'll start to share with me. And again, it's from the standpoint of nobody's doing things to be, you know, you know, they're not doing anything deliberately wrong. They're just doing what they think they, they know best. So we want to kind of sometimes maybe show them something else that might be advantageous to them, especially if it can lower their tax liability, because the withdrawal order can be very vital, very, very important. So for example, you know, when we're looking at, again, the role that the IRS will play in the distribution of those assets, the strategy has to be established for retirement income, especially when it comes to, okay, I have all these accounts, I need income. So which order should I take mm-hmm. them from? Right. Okay. So this is kind of how we do this. Like I said, number one, we review all the assets that are earmarked for, for retirement. We look at them. Number two, what is the amount of income that you want to have, the, the income that's desired or needed for retirement. Okay, we look at that. The third thing we do is now we create the strategy for the withdrawals. You know, because okay, what are the stock market? What's the stock market doing? If, if it's up, that might change our withdrawal strategy. If it's down, that might change our withdrawal withdrawal strategy. So it's not a one size fit all situation. And I see far too many people falling into that easy trap. My brother in law is doing it this way. My neighbor's doing it this way. My coworker's doing it this way. So I need to do it this way. It's like Social Security. Every case is different. Every withdrawal strategy should be unique and and customized based upon what we're trying to accomplish in retirement. That's a lot of stuff to take into consideration. And as an individual, I know I would not be able to to follow all that. You're right. You're right. It's something that I thought of that the way I look at this from the standpoint of, you know, the act of retirement is simple. You just quit working, right? I'm retired. (laughs) The process of retirement is incredibly complicated. Yeah. It, it demands attention and the help of trained expertise, plain and simple. Th- that's, not, that's not for anybody to feel as though they're being slighted from who they've worked with up to the point of retirement. We've talked about this before, the accumulation phase, distribution phase, different time of life, different vehicles, different scenarios, different challenges. Does that professional who helped guide you and build wealth trained and qualified and now help you to come down the mountain mm-hmm. and distribute the wealth. And we need to make sure that we understand that because again, this is this is the area where now all of a sudden these types of scenarios pop up. And, and just like you said, Patrice, how do we know how to do this? We, we don't know this. And again, my eyes were opened even more than they already were from that workshop. And I know I'm con- going to continue to gain even more knowledge and have more resources at my fingertips to help people understand that, look, the, the IRS is not doing us any favors. They're not going to do any favors to you while you're taking the income and whatever money you leave behind. Unfortunately, just because the account owner passed away doesn't mean the IRS passes away as well. The (laughs) IRS will attach themselves to that account and that account will go either to the spouse, the surviving spouse, or it'll also continue on to the non-spouse beneficiaries. And that'll be another episode. We will really dive deeper into it because when we're wanting to leave a legacy plan and we have qualified money left behind, that is something that clients need to understand. Okay, again, upon your passing, the question I would ask you is, do you have somebody at the IRS you love more than your family? <laughs> because it, without a strategy involved, you might, be end up, you might end up leaving more to the IRS 
than you do your own kids. So, so again, it's, mm-hmm. it's from that standpoint, Patrice, of how in the world could somebody navigate this by themselves? I, flat out, I, I don't know how you could successfully. You could. I mean, you could just take income and pay your taxes as you want and pass away whenever, you, whenever you're done you know, living on earth and, and leave behind. I mean, you could. There's nothing wrong with that. But we want to, do we want to do it in the most tax efficient manner? I, I would dare say most people would say yes. And what is your goal? What is your goal for those assets? Exactly. What, what are we? How much of these assets do we want to live on? How much do we want to leave behind? You know, because again, we, you know, we, we we talked a little bit about. I mentioned the word conversions, and I'm not going to dig deep into that today because our time's almost up here. But you know, converting IRA funds, traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, again, moving parts. A lot of things to consider because when we take a distribution or we do a conversion, what follows next? We owe the IRS taxes. Those taxes are based upon our ordinary income tax rates. Okay. So let me speak now to the people that are 65 and older. What happens when we're 65 and older? We need health insurance. What do we usually get? We get Medicare. The Part B premium is determined by how much income we have. So we have to be aware of that. If we're if we're doing some conversions and we're taking money out, you know, we're we're repositioning those funds from the forever taxed bucket over to the never taxed bucket. How do we get there? Well, we have to pay the taxes on that on that amount that we are converting from bucket A to bucket B, tax tax deferred, tax free. Will that impact our Medicare premium? I don't know. We'll look at that. What impact will that have on our social security benefit? It will have an impact. So, so where are we at? So, so our goal, like I said, is, is to help people understand that this is something not to be taken lightly. It needs to be fully addressed. We need to talk about it. And again, I don't, I don't feel as though there's anybody that's, that's from the standpoint of, we shouldn't be talking about this. I can't, I can't yet get my head wrapped around somebody who probably shouldn't have this conversation. The best I can do is think of maybe a person who has a little bit of income from social security and they are currently drawing down off their traditional IRA, for example, because they need extra income to maintain their standard of living. Right. So they, they might just continue to do what they're going to do. But for people who maybe aren't yet taking income from a tax deferred account, or maybe they already are in retirement and they have an extra traditional IRA or 401k that's just kind of sitting out there and they're 62, 64, 68, whatever the case may be, they're not quite 72 yet, and they're not taking income from those, this is where this type of research and um, you know information can be very vital for them because like we said, the Pied Piper gets paid when we turn 72 and the Pied Piper is the IRS. And if we have an account that's sitting out there that, that can grow, what is also growing? The, the liability. So as we kind of wrap this up here, I always like to kind of, I always like to try to somehow somewhat create somewhat of, a, of, a, of an easy to, to visualize picture, if you will. So let me ask you a question here, Patrice. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you are offered one of two buckets, $100,000 in a traditional IRA or $100,000 in a Roth IRA, which one would we choose? I would go with the Roth. If it's already in there and I'm not paying taxes on it. Exactly right. Okay. The difference is, is threefold. Forever taxed versus never taxed. RMDs versus no RMDs. And again, as I said before, heirs will continue to pay taxes versus no taxes to the heirs. So that's why when we understand what the IRS is doing right now, what they will do between now and 2026, who knows? But in 2026, once we flip that calendar, tax rates are going to change. So that's why I'm just kind of almost pleading with people from the standpoint of take a serious look at this. 
Let's talk. Let's get into the weeds. Let's look at your scenario and let's try to figure out how we can mitigate the overall tax liability to the IRS. All right, Tim, give us a tease. What are we going to talk about in the next episode? I think what we want to look at continuing further here, Patrice, I think we want to continue to build on this. And I think what we'll look at is what does a Roth conversion look like? You know, what, what are the moving parts? I kind of, I throw that little teaser out there. You know, what age are we in? Um, how will our Medicare premiums be impacted by that? What will it do to our social security? So I think that might be a, a good uh, segue for our next conversation to talk about. Let's look at, at a conversion from the traditional IRA into the Roth IRA. All right. And Tim, how can people reach you? Because boy, I know a lot of folks are going to have questions for you. <laughs> um, they can reach me a couple different ways. Uh, they can reach me by phone, which is area code 309-291-0491. And they can certainly send me an email, which is tim at thewhistleragency.com. And there's still no T in Whistler. <laughs> All these years and there's still no T. That's right. <laughs> All right. And of course, follow this podcast for the latest show. There's always some great nugget in here from Tim and share with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Whistler While You Retire. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the Whistler Agency. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advisory and financial planning services offered through Simplicity Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance, consulting, and education services offered through the Whistler Agency. The Whistler Agency is a separate and unaffiliated entity from Simplicity Wealth LLC. This podcast is designed to provide general information on the subjects covered. Pursuant to IRS Circular 230, it is not intended to provide specific legal or tax advice and cannot be used to avoid penalties or to promote, market, or recommend any tax plan or arrangement. For insurance products discussed, guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company.